I want to direct your attention to the book of First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 22 and 23. And then we're going to go to the book of Ezekiel chapter 27, beginning with verse number 1. Now, I may be preaching a little different tonight. Uh, it will certainly be different than the weekend. Uh, but I have not addressed these verses in many, many years. I don't even know when the last time was. But I felt this very strong. In fact, I've actually felt that the Lord uh, was going to have me preach this at First Pentecostal Church. And I have felt it for several years. I just didn't know what the timing was. And I felt like... Today, I felt, and last night, uh, that this service would be the right time. And I'm not sure exactly why, but God knows all things. And so I'm going to try to obey the Holy Ghost tonight. First Chronicles 4:22, And Jochum and the men of Shuzeba and Joash and Seraph, who had the dominion in Moab and Jashubalehim, and these are ancient things. These were the potters and those that dwelt among plants and hedges. And there they dwelt with the king for his work. Going to Ezekiel chapter 27, verse number one. He said, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, now thou son of man, take up a lamentation for Tyrus, and say unto Tyrus, thou art situate at the entry of the sea, which art a merchant of the people for many isles. Thus saith the Lord God, O Tyrus, thou hast said, I am of perfect beauty. Thy borders are in the midst of the seas, and thy builders have perfected thy beauty. They have made all thy shipboards of fir trees, of Senir, they have taken cedars from Lebanon to make mast for thee. Of the oaks of Bashan have they made thine oars. The company of the Asherites have made thy benches of ivory and brought out the isles of Shittim. Fine china with broidered work from Egypt was that which thou spreadest forth to be thy sail. Blue and purple from the isles of Elisha or was that which covered thee. The inhabitants of Zidon and Arvad were thy mariners, thy wise men, O Tyrus, they were in thee, were thy pilots. The ancients of Jabal and the wise men thereof were in thee thy caulkers. All the ships of the sea with their mariners were in thee to occupy thy merchandise. In First Chronicles, the second verse that we read speaks about the potters. And in verse nine of Ezekiel 27, he talks about the wise men who were in thee, thy caulkers. And so I wanna preach a few minutes here tonight on this thought potters and caulkers hallelujah potters and caulkers would you clap your hands unto the lord and give god some great praise amen let's magnify him
God bless you, you can be seated. I think it's obvious to us as we read the Word of God that we read so often about the great men of the Bible. One of the things that I have noted is that their names, for the most part, are not repeated. There was only one Abraham. There was only one Isaac. There was only one Jacob. We don't read of more than one Moses or one Joshua. There was only one King David, one Elijah, one Daniel, and there was only one Apostle Paul. So we notice as we read scripture that there's hardly a name that is repeated in the word of God. It seems like what we note is that these are unique men who were doing a unique work for God. And sometimes when we read about these great men, and not just great men, but we also know that there were great women in the word of God. We can read about Deborah. We can read about Mary as we preached a little bit about her on the weekend. And, and we can read about others that played major roles in the word of God. And sometimes the knowledge of these people and their great works will serve as an intimidation factor to a lot of people who feel so limited in their talents and in their abilities. We sometimes read about David slaying the giant. We read about Elijah and the great miracles that he performed. And Daniel in the lion's den, the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. And we feel the intimidation of their faith. We feel the intimidation of their position because they were such great men. And we feel like, how can we ever be like these great men in the word of the Lord? However, as we read the scripture, we're gonna come across accounts that let us know that there are many unsung heroes whose names that we will never know because their names were never recorded in scripture. I believe it's because that they were willing to work in the background without any name recognition or any recognition of their accomplishments. In fact, I am convinced that without these unsung heroes, many of the great men in the word of God would not have been able to accomplish the work that they did. I have no doubt that there was support staff. I have no doubt that there were men that labored in the shadows that we know nothing about, but they were there to support the ones that we do read about. I will say tonight to this congregation that we're living in a time where that we need people who are willing to work in the background. We're needing people that will labor without name recognition, without having to serve in front of everybody else, but people that will say, whatever it takes, I want the work of God to move forward. 
I want to have revival in my assembly. I want to have revival in my family. And so whatever I can do to promote revival, and can I just go and personalize this tonight and say whatever it takes to have revival at my church, in my assembly, at First Pentecostal Church, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Amen. We read about Israel marching through the wilderness, and we all know who was at the front of the line. I don't think there would be very many people here tonight that if you were to ask who led the column of Israelites through the wilderness on the way to the promised land, everybody would let, would let you know. We've heard it preached. We've heard it declared. It was Judah, the praisers, that led. It was the one that played the tambourines and the harps and, and those that led in worship. And we thank God for those who were a part of Judah. But has anybody ever noted who was at the end of the line? Who was the last one in line? When you go down through the names of the tribes as they were marching through that wilderness, you're gonna discover that it was Dan who was at the back of the line. Somebody has to be at the back of the line. Everybody can't be at the front of the line. And so when you read about Dan, you think about poor Dan. He pulled the short straw. Poor Dan, he's at the back of the line. What can that be to him? And what level of importance is Dan being where he was? Well, I'm gonna tell you how important it was that Dan be at the back of the line because somebody needed to be there for the ones that were feeble, the ones that were weak, the ones that would drop by the side of the road that Dan would say, you can't stop now. You can't fall out now. You can't give up now. We're on our way to Canaan's land. Oh, I feel Holy Ghost in this house tonight. Anybody gonna help me preach? Hallelujah. We need some Danites in the church that don't mind being an encourager. If you can't sing a tune, if you can't play music, you can encourage somebody. You can pass by someone that's struggling and say, look, you can't give up now. You can't stop now. We're on our way to the glory world. It's not gonna be long before Jesus comes back. You can't fall out by the way. You can't give up the fight. Hallelujah. We've got to reach the point where that we start understanding that everybody is important in the kingdom. Not just the man behind the pulpit preaching. Not just the song leader. But everybody sitting in this house. You, every single individual is important in the kingdom of God. You, you are important to revival. You are important to outreach. You are important to soul winning. You are important to work. Somebody said, but what, what does my worship do? 
Well, I'll tell you what your worship does. It adds to everybody else's worship. I said it adds to everybody else's worship. The psalmist said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And then the psalmist said that we are to praise him according to his excellent greatness. We are to praise him according to his mighty acts. We know that none of us on an individual level is capable to praise God according to his excellent greatness. We are finite. We are limited. We're only able to do so much. Oh, hallelujah. I can only praise him to the measure that I am able to praise him. But if you will magnify the Lord with me, if you will put your praise with their praise, and their praise with their praise, and this side praise him with that side, it's not long before we as a church Hallelujah. Help me out right here. Hallelujah. Amen. It won't be long before we as a church will be praising him according to his excellent greatness. They, oh, glory to God. But you yeah, just one person. That's all right. All it takes is one plus one. And that makes two. Another one makes three. Another one makes four. Another one makes five. And before you know it, we're at 100. And then we're at 200. And before you know it, there's a cacophony of praise going up that God looks down and says, that's getting close. That's getting close to my greatness. That's getting close to who I am and what I am. Amen. We need folks at the back of the line. We need folks willing to pick up the stragglers. People that are willing to encourage the discouraged. Willing to strengthen the weak. Willing to call somebody on the phone and say, I missed you at church last night. I missed you at church this past weekend. I looked for you and I didn't see you. Amen. Don't worry about me. I know where I'm at. I know where I'm going tonight. So just hang on for a little bit. We're going to ride a while. I'm just trying to tell First Pentecostal Church, we got a big crowd here tonight, but every single person in this house is important to the crowd. And so he, he described these potters as people that dwelt among plants and hedges. And there they dwelt with the king for his work. These were potters that worked in the background. These were potters that labored in obscurity. But you have to understand tonight that what looked like a lowly occupation without much recognition proves to be vital to the king's house. Oh, glory to God. That, that occupation of being a potter, living among the plants, living among the hedges, that, that, that occupation that seemed to not carry much weight, that it looked like people passing by would say you're just a potter. But you have to understand, without the potter, the king's party wouldn't have much life to it. 
because the work of the potter is what supplied the vessels that food was brought in, that water was brought in, that other forms of drink were brought in because the potter was doing his work in the background. Where would the flowers from the gardens be placed if the potter hadn't made a vessel for the flowers to be put in? Where would the water be and how would the water be transported if the king's house didn't have a potter laboring in the background? I'm just preaching to everybody here tonight, myself included, that what we've got to do is reach a point to realize that we've got to have this attitude that says I may be in the background, I may not be a name that everybody knows, but I'm going to be back here working because I want the party at the king's house to be the best it can be, to be the greatest it can be. Amen. It was the potter who made the bases to hold the candles that gave light throughout the king's palace. There wouldn't have been any light in the house if there hadn't been a potter to put have something made that the candles were placed in. I could go on tonight. How many things were a part of the king's house that the potters had such a major role in them being accomplished? It was because there were people that were willing to work in obscurity. The king's house needs people who will get out and get the clay and begin to mold it into a vessel that is meat for the master's use. You say, preacher, help us out here tonight. Who are the potters? Well, I'm gonna tell you who the potters are. The potters are Sunday school teachers that mold lives coming from the next generation. The potters are Sunday school teachers that are faithful every Sunday to go to their class and teach their children. Potters are the, oh, oh Lord, help me Jesus, hallelujah. Potters are the skilled musicians that say, you know what? I'm not just interested in perfecting my art or my trade. I'm going to reach over here and get a hold of someone, a child, a young man, a young lady that's got a promise of being a future musician. And I'm going to pour myself into them. I'm going to pour my, my talent into them. Potters are singers who will help train the next generation of singers. Potters are youth leaders. Potters are youth leaders that are working with teenagers that sometimes do dumb stuff, but they got enough patience to say, I'm gonna stay with this because I'm gonna mold the next generation. I want the next generation to have a love for God. I want the next generation to be involved in the king's house. We don't need to lose one young person. We don't need to lose one young child. We don't need to lose one teenager. We don't need to lose not even one single, not one young married couple. Can I preach to you a few minutes here tonight? 
What is it going to take? It's going to take potters that make up their mind. I'm going to do the work of the king's house. I'm going to be involved. I'm going to labor. Oh, hallelujah. What, what, what are potters? I'll tell you what potters are. They're successful businessmen that will look it up and come in entrepreneurs and say, let me give you some pointers. Let me help you out because I know you want to be a blessing to the king's house. And so I'm going to help you be that blessing. Hallelujah. If you're here tonight and you're new to First Pentecostal Church, there's a place for you. I said there's a place for you. What about it, First Pentecostal Church? Do you believe that tonight? We're all about preparing vessels to labor in the king's house. We're all about helping people to become what they can be in the king's house. And so it's important that tonight we learn how to mold lives. God's looking for potters. And then if we move to the next area, we can talk about caulkers. Someone said, is that really what I think it is? Yeah, it's what you think it is. It's exactly what it, what, what it indicates. Because when you read Ezekiel and the description that is given, he's talking about their ships. He's talking about the beauty of the ships, where the shipboards came from, where they made, what they made the mast out of. It was the cedars from Lebanon. It was the oaks of Bashan where they made the oars. And it was the company of the Asherites who made the benches of ivory. And it was from Egypt that fine linen with broided work was, was brought to make their sails. And it goes on talking about the beauty of the ship and the best of materials that was used to build that ship. Everything was of the finest. Everything was of the best. Yet the word of the Lord tells us that there were some men that labored in the hold of the ship. Men that were down where no one else could see them. They were called the wise men and they were named the caulkers. What was their job? Their job was to caulk the ship because it wouldn't matter how beautiful the ship was. It wouldn't matter how perfect the ship was. It wouldn't matter that they had the finest of linen from Egypt and the oak oars and all of the things that it was made up of if the ship was taken on water. Woo, hallelujah. So the caulkers were the men that were down in the hold of the ship. And when they saw a leak coming through the boards of that wooden ship, they'd get what they called hemp and they'd stuff it in that, in that leak. And they'd say, oh no, this ship has got a sail. This ship has got a place to go. This ship is going someplace and we gotta have somebody. Hallelujah. Because you see, it doesn't matter how good the church is. It doesn't matter how, how beautiful the church is. 
It doesn't matter how the greatness of ministries that come through this pulpit, the leadership, whatever it might be, none of that, none of that, none of that, amen, means anything if the ship is sinking. Can I preach, Pastor? Hallelujah. What we need tonight is not just potters working on the next generation, but we need caulkers in the boat. We need people that say, you know what? We love this ship so much. We love First Pentecostal Church so much. We love what God's doing among us that we're gonna stuff some things in between the boards of this ship. We're gonna caulk it. We're not gonna let the waters of worldliness seep in. We're not gonna let the, the waters. Oh, hallelujah. We need some caulkers that know how to caulk the ship. We're living in times, listen church, let me preach to you tonight. We're living in times that things are changing so much. I'm talking about daily, there's a new thing coming out. Daily, there's a new invention. Daily, there's a new app to put on your phone. Daily, there's something else that's tempting you. Daily, there's something else that's trying to get your attention. Daily, there's something else that's trying to distract you. Your pastor does not have enough time to get in the pulpit every service and cover every single issue and cover every single thing that the church needs to beware of. What we need is people with enough discernment. Do I have any apostolics in the house tonight? Well, hallelujah. We need some daddies and mamas bold enough every now and then to pick up their child's phone and say, let me see what you downloaded on your phone. Let me see what you're listening to. Let me see what... Well, hallelujah. We need some daddies that'll caulk the ship around here. We need some daddies that'll go to your pastor and say, Pastor, I just want you to know I'm behind you 100%. I want you to know I'm gonna do everything I can to save my family. I want you to know. Praise the Lord. I want you to know our family won't have a television. Our family's not going to participate in Hollywood. Our family, oh my God, help me right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I just, I've, I've been reading a little bit. I, I, I don't have a lot of time to read these things, but I've been noticing something. I've been noticing that even our government and certain state governments and local governments are outlawing TikTok from their 
government phones. And I'm thinking, help us, oh Jesus, that if our government can see the danger of something of that nature to our national security, how much more ought we as apostolics see the danger of those things that will do nothing but pollute your mind, pollute your spirit. Praise the Lord. Amen. I feel like preaching a little bit here tonight. This, I'm feeling something in the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. You, you folks know me. I've been around here a long time, so I don't have an agenda. I'm just preaching what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. Doesn't matter how long you've been in church. It doesn't matter how many years you've had the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter how many great messages that you've heard. If you don't keep caulking the ship, then your boat's gonna sink. Your ship's gonna sink. You gotta make up your mind. If I get, if I live for God 50 years, I still wanna be careful. I still wanna make sure. I still wanna ensure my walk with God. Hallelujah. Caught the ship. I said, caught the ship. Amen. I'm not, it's not your pastor's job, amen, to get up here and name everything. It's our job. Paul, Paul writes this to the church at Rome. And he said these words. And in the book of Romans, the last chapter, he said, I'm glad. I'm going to paraphrase it. He said, I'm glad that when I was with you, you were obedient. You did what I asked you to do. He said, but I would that you would be wise toward that which is, huh? That which is good. And you would be simple toward that which is evil. You know what the man is saying? He's saying you're doing good, that you obeyed what I preached. But I want you to move your, your walk up. I want you to go a little bit higher. I want you to get a spirit of discernment so you can discern what's evil and you can discern what's good. Hallelujah. Nehemiah, in 52 days, rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Huh? Rebuilt the walls and put the gates back in place. And he noticed something. There's a lot of stuff coming in this city. And we don't know what it is. And so he went out to the keepers of the gate and he said, from today on, you keep these, these gates locked. Amen. The gates of Jerusalem will be shut until the sun gets hot. And I said, that's, that, that's crazy timing. That don't make sense to me. Well, I'll tell you why it makes sense to me. Because in the early morning hours when the mist is rising from the ground, and the fog is in the air. You can look out and you can't see very clearly. And here's what Nehemiah was saying. I want the sun to be hot because when the sun gets hot, all the fog is gone. 
all the mist is gone. And now we can identify what's outside the gate. And we can stop from coming inside the city what don't need to be inside the city. Come on, hallelujah. Young people, can I tell you, don't put the pressure on your pastor to open up the door to things that he may not be sure of. Hallelujah. If he says, hey, let's wait a while. Let's pray about that. There's something to be said for that because there's got to be a point where that we can see clearly. You can't see in the fog and in the midst of what might be a danger to you. Oh, help me, Jesus. Yeah, but Nehemiah, you don't understand. Every other city is opening their gates at, 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 the, at the first hour of the day or the sixth hour of the day. They're opening up their gates. What do we do like that? No, 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 you don't understand. We're not every other city. We're Jerusalem. I said, we're Jerusalem. We're not every other city. Oh, help me, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to get a little crazy right here, right now. But I don't care what the other Pentecostal churches are doing. I don't care what they're opening the doors to. I don't care what they're allowing to come in. Somebody needs to say thank God for a Nehemiah that keeps the gate locked until he knows it's okay for us to open the door. Hallelujah. You know, I love about First Pentecostal Church, you, you folks know this, I say it, and y'all probably tired of me saying it. That's all right. I enjoy saying it. I've been preaching here since I was 18 years old. 1971, Bishop Holmes hadn't even married yet, period. Amen, he wasn't even married yet when I preached here the first time. You know what I like about First Pentecostal Church? Every time I've come, every year I've come, I'm seeing a holiness church. I'm seeing a separated church. I'm seeing a church that loves revival. I'm seeing a church that loves souls. You know why? You know why? Do you know why that it's that way? It's because somebody stood inside the gate and said, this is Jerusalem, and we're not just gonna open the door to everything that comes along. We need some caulkers. We need some fathers. Come on, that'll look at a daughter and say, you ain't going out of my house dressed like that. Well, it's getting quiet now, but that's all right. I'm gonna preach anyhow. Huh? Come on. We need some fathers that'll look at a son and say, where'd you get that goofy haircut from? You go back and let him cut it again until you look like a man. Come 
everybody shout right now. We believe what we're hearing. We believe what we're hearing. Come on, church. We're hearing from God right now. I'm going to be here to call the ship. You can count on me, Pastor Holmes. I'm going to be here. I'll be here. I'm going to, I'm going to lead my family in revival. I'm not expecting you to do all the work. I'm going to do some of the work at home. I'm going to do it with my family at home. When we go home from church, as we're driving down the highway, I'm going to remind my children, you heard the truth tonight, and we're a Holy Ghost-filled home. We're an apostolic home, and this is the way we're going to live. We need fathers that'll caught the ship. We need mamas that'll caught the ship. Come on. Oh, I felt something in the Holy Ghost. 
I said, I just felt something in the Holy Ghost. Lord, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. But if you're a church leader here, if you've got involved in leadership, God help you. If you're going around behind the scenes and you're whispering in the ears of some people and saying, I just think it's too tight around here. I think if they loosened it up, we could really have revival. I want to ask you, how much more revival do you want? You've almost baptized 400 people in the fact in the past year or so. I'm just trying to preach to you and tell you that letting up is not the answer. Getting weak is not the answer. Backing down is not the answer. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And if you're one of those that's saying that, God help you. Shame on you. But not just shame on you, but there ought to be some people around here that looks at that individual and says, you know what? Your problem is you're letting water in and I'm going to cock this thing. I'm going to stuff some stuff. Come on, musicians, give them some, give them some hope. Hallelujah. I'm tired of the lies of hell that says we can't, you can't be holy and have revival. I got an answer to that. Amen. You can't be worldly and have a revival. Amen. Don't forget, you're riding on this boat. And if you're not caulking the boat, you're going down when the boat goes down. There needs to be some daddies that says, not on my watch. Some mamas that say, not on my watch. Some church leaders that say, not on my watch. You see, this is your church. This is your boat. And it floats. It floats not because there's a captain upstairs. Thank God for the captain. Thank God for the pastor that's steering the ship. Yeah, he's going to preach it. But you gotta hear me tonight. He can't get up here and steer the ship then run down here in the bow of the ship and punch in some camp and, and caulk the boat and then come back up here and try again. He just needs to know, I got people down there caulking this thing. I got some people down there that's making sure there's no water in this boat. They're making sure we're gonna have a, a godly church, a holy church. This ship sails because of what you do. I was reading about an earthquake that took place. And there was a seismologist from the University of Colorado that made this statement. He said, earthquakes don't, peel, don't kill people, buildings do. 
It's not the earthquake that kills, it's the building that kills. And he's talking about the shoddy construction. And another man made this statement, I referenced this to the bishop today, but it, I read where it said that an individual made this statement. He said there were people killed in this earthquake by bricks that they had made with their own hands. They made the bricks. They molded them and they built the house, but they built it in a shoddy fashion. So when the earthquake came, they were killed by bricks they made with their own hands. The question we gotta have here today is simply this. Is the boat gonna go down because I didn't do my job? Is the ship gonna sink because I didn't do my job? Well, if I don't do it, if I don't do it, somebody else will. Well, that might be true, but somebody's gonna be lost. And it might be your children. It might be your babies that are lost because you didn't caulk the boat. Because you didn't make sure that you didn't allow the spirit of the world to come in, doubt to come in. Faith has to stay in the ship and doubt outside the ship. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm trying to quit. Don't sit around your dinner table and talk about the preacher. Don't sit around the dinner table and talk about saints. When we were raising our children, when they were at home, I wouldn't let conversations go on around my dinner table about people in the church or about preachers from anywhere. If I had somebody at my table and they wanted to bring things up, I steered the conversation away from that. And if they didn't know what I was trying to do and they kept right on, I'd finally say, we don't talk about those things around my dinner table in front of my children. Because the one thing I didn't want my children growing up to be was a preacher hater and saint hater. I'm sorry, I'm sorry First Pentecostal Church, but I feel this in my spirit tonight. I believe that there's a revival like you've never seen before. I've been here and I've preached and I believe it. I'm telling you, God has got greater things, but we gotta keep the ship on top of the water and we gotta stay a holiness church and we have gotta stay a separated church. <laughs> when you as a father are supporting what your pastor's preaching and teaching, you're caulking the ship. You can have the best pastor. You can have the best pastor's wife. You can have a beautiful sanctuary to worship in. You can have a great church program, the finest of choirs and singers and music and everything else, but somebody has got to caulk the ship because it can be the most beautiful thing riding on the waves, but if water's getting in the boat... Where's the singers at? Y'all come on out here. Are y'all here? Come on, show yourself. Don't be afraid. Let me just wrap it up with this. When Israel was right on the border, 
coming into the land of Canaan. Joshua saw the city of Jericho and knew it was their greatest obstacle to start the conquest of Canaan. And he went across the river and he stood by the wall and there was a creature, an angelic being that said to Joshua, or Joshua actually said to him, are you for us? Or for you, are you for our adversaries? And this being looked at Joshua and said, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. He said, Joshua, I'm not on the enemy's side and I'm not on Israel's side. I'm the captain of the Lord's host. The question is, Joshua, whose side are you on? It's not whose side am I on, it's whose side are you on? (laughs) And he said, take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. And he got a word. He got a word from that, that visitor from the glory world. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the people and march around the walls one time a day for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to march around the wall seven times. Now those first six days, I want you to march in total silence. And on the seventh day, I want you to march the sixth time, the first six times around, march in total silence. But on the seventh time, I want you to blow your trumpets and I want you to shout. You see, Joshua had a word from God on how to conquer the city of Jericho. And all God needed and all Joshua needed was for some people to march and shout. Amen. I'm running a good message here because I could preach on marchers and shouters. I'm preaching on potters and caulkers, but I am trying to tie it all in together and tell you that all God's looking for is somebody that'll get in tune, that'll get in place, that'll fill their position, that'll do what they've been called to do. I want you to know I'm not just a marcher, I'm also a shouter. I'm not just a potter, I'm also a caulker. I got a job to do. I'm gonna do my best to keep the boat floating. I'm gonna do my best to keep the ship sailing. I hope somebody else feels that way here tonight. Amen. And I wanna tell you what I feel like we ought to do to wrap this service up tonight. I feel like we ought to have some folks in this house that whenever the music starts and the singers begin to sing, that you make up your mind, I'm gonna be part of what's going on. I'm gonna be a potter and I'm gonna be a caulker. I'm gonna be a marcher, I'm gonna be a shouter. Y'all are not leaving me out. I'm not gonna sit on the back seat and do nothing. I'm not gonna be a taker and not a giver. I'm not going to be just someone that sponges it up. I'm going to help another generation. I'm going to reach these children. 
I'm going to mold these children. I'm going to mold these teenagers. I'm going to keep the gate closed. I'm not going to let anything in until the sun gets hot. Come on. I can't hear you. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I feel something in this house. I feel something in this place. Come on, all the way back in the pews, in the mezzanine. Is there anybody that wants to give the Lord a shout of praise? You need to let him know you can count on me, Jesus. You can count.
in this boat. Dance like you're happy to be in the king's house. Come on, young men. Shout like you're happy to be in the king's house. Shout like you're happy to be in the boat.
daddies would come up here. Get hold of your son. Shout for your son. If you don't have a son, find you one. Find you a son. Find you a young man. Come on. Come on, mama. Come on, mama. Find your daughter. Shout with your daughter.